All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. Welcome to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Learn Your English is a company that is changing the way people study, learn, and teach languages. Learn Your English offers students and teachers strategies to effectively develop their abilities and skills in their own time. Bringing you the latest in English language learning and teaching, Teacher Talking Time explores all angles for teachers and students alike. Got a question? Comment. A story to share. Send us an email at info at learnyourenglish.com. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Talking Time. I'm Andrew. Uh, this is Leo. And I'm Mike. And it's a cold February day. Guys, you staying warm over there? Um, I'm okay. I'm pretty warm here. Mike? Uh, pretty toasty. You know, I got the loft, all the nice warm air collects around the ceiling. It's uh, it's always nice in here. Plus, I got my humidifier on full. It's like a tropical paradise in here, man. Jeez, I need a couple parrots or something. Yeah, you guys are big <laughs> about your humidifiers. I don't have one. Oh, man. You get to a certain age, you gotta got to make sure there's enough moisture in the air, you know? <laughs> That's right. Speaking yeah. of moisture, February doesn't Not have much of it. Yeah. Costa Rica, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Not yet. Uh, so, guys, February has lots of stuff. February usually has the Super Bowl, Valentine's Day. Uh, but one other thing that February usually has, or what occurs in February, is people usually give up or rescind their New Year's resolutions. Now, I know you guys aren't a big fan of the word resolution, but did you make any this year? And are you still doing them? Well, um, I'd like I... to talk on this one, Leo, okay. if it's all right. Cool. I am um, actually... Yeah, no, I um, I broke my New Year's resolution right away. I uh, set out to not not catch a cold this year, and literally one week into January, I caught a cold. So there it is, folks. Michael Landry has officially broken his New Year's resolution. Oh, wow. Sorry, Leo, I didn't mean to interrupt there. No, I I I just I don't know, man. I don't I I've told you this. I don't really believe in resolution. As a matter of fact, I was um, I actually have a study here by this guy um, Griffith uh, Griffith Griffin Griffin from uh, Nottingham Trent University. Oh, not from Family Guy and, then. Yes, uh, no, not that guy, not that guy. <laughs> uh, but he actually has something interesting saying that research shows that about half of all adults that make New Year's resolutions. Um, about 10% of them managed to keep them for more than a month. 10%? That's it? Yes. Wow. Holy. That's only a month, not the year. A month. A month. So, Mike, yeah. you're right in there. Although, I don't know if I uh, count. No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ahead of the curve, yeah. Catching a cold is not really a resolution. In the teaching industry, you get sick all the time. Uh, that's true. Mm. Teaching in uh, kindergartens or schools, right? Yeah. I suppose that's the same thing, yeah. So why do you guys, well, that's true. Why do you guys think, or, or Leo, you, you, you gave the, the research, so maybe it's for you. Why do you think people or adults, adult people, give up their resolutions within 30 days? I mean, that seems pretty ridiculous. 
Um, well, I'm guilty of that myself. I used to make resolutions, um, I would say five years ago, but I just realized that the biggest problem with resolutions is this focus on, on the negativity. I think the problem is that very few people really want to do the work to make those habits some sort of uh, reality in their lives. Um, I think a lot of us just say like, you know, people say, I want to exercise more or I want to quit smoking and they expect those things to just boom, magically develop or that one day they're just going to get up in the morning and, you know, they're going to go straight to the gym. Um, I, I think that's the problem is it's that we don't really we don't think about changing our habits. We just think about the promises that we make ourselves. Yeah, that's right. It's it's yeah. more of a, no, I agree. It's more of a, uh, the product oriented mm-hmm. view. Right? Forget about the process. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, like, or there are a lot of maybes around New Year's resolutions, right? Or a lot of ifs, you know, oh, if this works out this way, then fine. Or, or I, I get it started, but something pops up. So I just, uh, maybe if I have time, then I'll start tomorrow or I'll come back to it later. And uh, there's very like, yeah, a lot of these New Year's resolutions fail. Uh, I think just because the process isn't clearly set beforehand, right? Yeah, and, is- as you said, the habits aren't haven't been established. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say, I mean, do you guys subscribe to this? I mean, you're right about people saying, well, if this happens and if that happens and if, you know, this kind of job presents itself. And it sounds like when people talk like that, they're subscribing to something about you know, the universe presenting them with a situation rather than them going out and kind of grabbing it and and acquiring that situation. I always describe Spanish as a very passive language because in Spanish, I use, I use this example a lot, if you're looking after somebody's cat or dog or pet, right, and the pet, like, you lose it, it runs away. In Spanish, basically the translation is, the dog left me, right? It's not, I lost the dog. It's the dog left me, <laughs> right? So it's like, I always, <laughs> I always joke there's a lack of ownership in the Spanish language. Yeah. Um, well. Do you think there's a lack of ownership in <laughs> resolutions and the lack of, as I know Leo likes this phrase, the cultivation of habits? Yes, yes. I, 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 I think you mentioned a very interesting point, which is the, the lack of accountability that people have with, uh, within themselves. Um, I, this is why I think, um, hab- uh, not habits, um, resolutions don't work because you're not really, Mike mentioned the idea of, process versus product it's the same thing with our with our personal lives i think there is there is a link between our personal and professional lives and i think the biggest issue is that um we're just we just expect things to magically change but for example if you want to start going to the gym what you need to do is you need to make that a priority in your life and you have to say you know what i'm going to make this something that is let's say non-negotiable in my life so for example for me getting up at five in the morning and hitting the gym is a priority marking that's secondary so if one day i don't have time to do the marking that's okay but exercising should always come um first so the idea for me is we have to cultivate better habits by doing that we're eliminating the bad ones i don't know if mike agrees with that no i i agree and i would just add like you know there's there's also that tendency to expect results right away right right so the one thing i i've been looking at uh, recently is the japanese principle of or practice of kaizen where they have the one one minute principle and basically all it says is is you know 
work on something as focused as possible for one minute. And eventually, if you keep that habit over time, if you keep coming back to it, maybe every day at one point you come back and you work on it for one minute, it grows and it goes from there. And I, I just think that, that, you know, I'm still learning this process as well. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's new to me, but I, from when I think about my writing and me trying to get back into writing, that's, that's how I got started. I just forced myself and Leo, you and I were talking to our students about this this, mm -hmm. this afternoon, right? We just force ourselves to write something and eventually yeah. it turns into something. So it's, it's a little bit different from going to the gym, but I think it just proves that, that, um, uh, you, you know, the, the, the same strategies that work can take in the gym can also be applied to, to teaching, learning and, yeah. and so on. I think in a way you have to start saying no to the bad things so you can start saying yes to the things that you have been putting off. Um, like you said, um, I like this uh, Kaizen, right? Kaizen, the Japanese thing. Um, I, I like this. Um, I think there's a writer, James Clear, who talks a lot about this idea of um, atomic habits. And he has a book with the same title. And he basically describes um, atomic habits as a small habit that has a, a tremendous or, or a huge difference in your life. So well, an example would be, you know, students always say, oh, I want to start reading, but I'm lazy. Okay, but start reading is a very general goal, you know, like start reading, maybe for some people, start reading means, I don't know, reading 10 pages a day or maybe reading for an hour. If you've never read, what makes you think that you're going to go from not reading to reading 10, 20, 30 pages? And what you said, Mike, is, is true. It's just, why don't we start by reading one page every day? So if you start with one page every day, you're going to start gaining momentum. And after you start gaining that momentum, you're going to increase to two pages, naturally three pages, five pages. And, and that's it. Um, and I think he talks a lot about this, um, the British cycling team, that was how everything completely turned around when they started focusing on 1% improvement in every area. And I, wow. I, know, I know this may sound small, but when you, when you, when it accumulates and it adds up in a, in a big way. And it's the same thing with, with life, with habits. If you start thinking small with big habits, then I think you will cultivate those habits. And again, it goes back to what we were saying, Andrew, is by cultivating better habits, you have better accountability and you have a much clearer vision of what you want in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, for yeah sure. and I also think before, before you jump in there, Andrew, I also think like just like reflecting back to uh, my diploma days, doing the diptiso and and that's that was what really stood out it was the focus on the the minute but just seeing how a small thing can actually affect the class right and then uh, a small thing like board work then also connects into just you know transitioning and teacher talking time and mm -hmm. and it all relates and and uh, i think it's a valid point and, I, and thank you for bringing it up there sorry andrew i didn't mean to jump in there. no no just no that, no worries that was just I was going to say, and this might seem a bit abstract or philosophical, but you know, you know me. Uh, but how do we define or how do we categorize good habits, bad habits? Because it seems like if we analyze general habits, things that we would say or we are saying now that are quote unquote bad habits are things that we actually enjoy doing. You know, not going to the gym or sleeping in or smoking or these little guilty pleasures, right? And then what we're defining as quote unquote good habits seems so difficult to cultivate. Why is it difficult to cultivate? Is it because we actually don't want to do them? So how do you define good and bad habits? That's a good question. To me, yeah, I don't, yeah go yeah, Mike. 
No, 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 you go, Leo. No, because no. you've been reading up on a lot of this lately. So it's, uh, uh, no, it's just, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, to me, a good habit is something that will help you be a better person every day. Okay. Um, to me, fast. when I think about, um, I'll give an example. I gave up drinking, um, I don't know, I think it was back in March. So it's been almost a year without drinking. Um, I feel like it has improved Congrats, a lot by of the way. areas of my life. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be something that I'm going to be, you know, I don't know if this is something that is going to be forever, but so far I'm enjoying, I'm reaping the benefits of not drinking. I realize that by not drinking, I have time to do a lot of things that I didn't have time to do back in the day because drinking would, and we all know this, after you, when you drink, you can't really do anything else after that. Right, you're 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 not as sharp as you are when you are sober. So to me, um, good habits would basically be defined as something that leads to some sort of self improvement. When you look back at yourself, maybe a day ago, for me, it's always looking at how can I be better today when compared to yesterday. So that to me is my definition of what a good habit is. No, I like yeah, that. I would, yeah, Mike, go ahead. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would just think, yeah, whatever, whatever gets you to your, your, your calling or your passion, right? It's, mm -hmm. uh, I think, I think the the hub the, the habits that you mentioned, the bad ones that you mentioned, um, you know, using too much social media, uh, laziness, you know, these these are things that take away time from the things that matter, right? And uh, that's it. You just you know, it. there's you know, there's all kinds of apps out there now that you know to track like you know how how much time you're wasting, how much mm -hmm. time you're idle. Um, you, know, you know, I mean, uh, if, if you really want to focus on your goals, I think Leo made a great point right, right at the top. And that's, you know, it's about prioritizing, right? And um, sure, you might, you know, you might not want to give up drinking completely. But, you know, having said that, even just experiencing this myself, it's like you, 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 you start to realize that every time you do drink, as Leo pointed out, you're, you're sacrificing something else instead, right? And um, and then from a professional standpoint, you know, uh, as you developing good habits or the habits that that cause the path of least resistance, right? Like if you're yes. developing good habits in the classroom, then your students are going to be happier because they see the they see the flow, they see the improvement. Mm -hmm. And then you as a teacher as well, you're going to feel more re more rewarded just um, just because you're, you're going to feel that improvement as well. Right. One, one thing I want to add to that, Mike, before you, you talk, um, Andrew, is that to me, adding up on, on, the, on, the, on the notion of good habits would be it's doing something every day that, get, that makes you go a little further outside your comfort zone. And I find that I was listening to an interview with this woman, this academic, Brene Brown, and she was talking about this fear, how, how paralyzing fear is. And I find that if you are afraid of something, if you get scared, that's the path you should be taking. So always taking the path more challenging, saying, saying the opinion that is your truth, you know, saying yes to an idea that you never agreed with, or maybe reading up on an article and say, you know what, I'm going to try this in class. I think doing these things, one exercise at a time, one small step every day, going back to the idea of the atomic habits, Thinking big is great. Oh, I want to I wanna incorporate pronunciation into my lessons. I want to start using my board better. Yeah, thinking big is great, but I think thinking small is easier. And easier is what we're after when we want to actually get started. Because 
like we said, once you get started, you can build, you gain momentum, and then you are unstoppable. Man, you're like, you're reading my mind with that. Uh, right at the end, they were saying what's easier. Because I was thinking as, as I asked the question earlier, I was thinking, well, I think this is also connected to our, you know, every human, very natural to be a, have a fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. So things that are easy, it's hard to fail in those things. It's right. easy to go and have a drink or seven on a Friday night with a bunch of friends. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> I was starting to feel <laughs> right? And that's socially acceptable as well in, in a lot of circles, right? What's mm-hmm. what's taboo or maybe not socially acceptable is to not, or, or I mean to go out and not drink or to not go out at all or to get up at 5.30 every morning and go to the gym and not hang out with your friends because you're prioritizing self-care over socialization or socializing. And that's the hard decision, even if after, as you've said, time and time you realize that's the right decision for you um and failing in that is easy but that's what we need to do right you know samuel beckett yeah. what, what you said try it you know no matter try, try again fail again fail better right my you know yes. waiting for Godot. i love that play i think we all read it there, in university there's a right? quote that i actually used as a mantra for for a couple of couple of months ago uh, yeah i used it for a while and i think the mantra was easy choices hard life hard choices easy life and and that was right. something that resonated with me for a very long time whenever i try to incorporate it i incorporate some some habits into my life but i think that's the problem for us as humans and as you mentioned is is this fear of failure just it's it paralyzes us and i find that a lot of teachers just get too comfortable with their teaching and they find that just because they have been teaching for 20 years they feel like they can just rely on those 20 years of experience but basically I think it's Pennier who mentioned this, but 20 years of experience in doing the same thing is not the same as one year of experience, right? So 20 years of experience doing the same thing is equal to doing the same thing. So it's basically only have, what, one year of experience? Is that is that what it is? Does that make sense? I'm really bad at math. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah. That sounds right. Conceptually, I'm there. Conceptually, yeah. I'm there, Leo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what you're saying, and to paraphrase, I don't know if I haven't read that article or the, the book, but basically... If you haven't learned anything in 19 years, then yeah, it's like one year of experience, right? Mm-hmm. But but how can but how can we as educators as as people how can we be constantly improving? I think that's one one good reminder is to be constantly improving. I don't know. One thing I I mean I have like my my five rules of life now, which I shared with my students. But it's like number one is like read books. You know, um, for teachers, it's it's great advice because. These are the best mentors throughout history, and, and they're there. I mean, you have Thornbury, you have all these other uh, um, academics that you can be reading from. Uh, you can listen to podcasts such as this one here. Hey-o. You know, it feels they fill in the gaps in your life. You know, with educational audio, um, you could be taking a course. We have a we have a course coming up there, so people can be taking that course. You know, grammar for teachers. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Get feedback. How how often do teachers actually? have other people observing them in the classroom so they can actually get feedback and critique you know i i i, I don't like the, the the compliment sandwich skip that you know <laughs> feedback from from trusted people and get straight to the meat like what am no, i doing right mike what are you gonna say no 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 before you jump i just so but also you mentioned observations get observations by different people not just yeah. line managers right yes. people who can help you get better Line yes. managers are intimidating. Nobody wants to be observed for their, when their job's on the line, right? Yeah. Get observed by a peer. Find a 
a bromance and build on it at work. Something. I love you guys. Yeah, yeah. And not just Sorry, by people who teach in. the same way as you or that like the way mm-hmm. that you do things, right? Different perspectives. Yes. So I guess we're, we're kind of jumping into the meat of it here. So let's get the ball rolling. So I, why don't I throw this over to Mike. Mike, 2019, right? Getting into the second month, what habits should teachers stick to or should they cultivate this year to keep learning and keep improving uh, professionally? Well, I'm not going to steal any Leo's thunder because I know Leo and I, we're, we've been hot on this topic. But uh, I'm just going to say reflection. And I'm going to say being honest with yourself, holding yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. So one thing, uh, just professionally, one thing I've been working on the last few terms is, is uh, trying to quant- quantify my classes. So I'm trying to keep track literally of how many times a student is you know, writing a sentence, how many times are students using a keyword or using a structure, how many minutes they're, they're using the, the key language and participating in the class. So I'm really just going through and I'm just trying to either remember and reflect at the end of the class. Um, and, uh, and if possible, I try and try and record. I mean, every teacher should be recording their classes. If you're, if your organization's not letting you record your class, that's a, that's a disservice. Um, see if you can get permission to record your class because, you know, you can learn a lot uh, just about how much time you're talking, how little time your students are talking, um, what are you getting focused, uh, what are you getting distracted with, and um, I just think it's a great uh, a great way to, again, hold yourself accountable. So I'm going to say that, reflection. Nice. Yeah. Leo? Um, I would say, well, I agree with everything that Mike just said, but like I said, I think uh, get around the community. I think I think our mothers were always right all along. Like you have to spend time with with people that push you to be better. People that, as Mike said, hold you accountable. People who are constantly questioning and and, and challenging you and and giving you feedback and critiquing you. I think we need to be around those people. That's the first one. The second one for teachers, we have. And Andrew, you wrote an article on this, and I think it's in our, our blog um, about ego. I think teachers, for some reason, are not very open to change. Um, and I think that's another very important resolution or habit to cultivate is be open to change. To improve yourself, you must change. If you aren't willing to change, then it's very hard for you to move forward in your teaching and in your, um, in your knowledge. And like I said, force, like, I mean, get your students to do what you actually expect them to do. In other words, practice what you preach. If you, if you expect your students to write, you also have to be a writer. If you expect your students to be good listeners, you also have to be a good listener. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of hypocrisy in, in, in language teaching because teachers tell students to do certain things that they actually don't do themselves. So practice what you preach to me is our mantra for this year well i think that's true yeah i mean i think we talked about this a lot not recording but i'll I'll, you know kind of jokingly but if we you know we're in a class ourselves and all the things that we ask our students to do tasks activities questions etc would we be really super excited to do those ourselves maybe yes but maybe sometimes no uh, as well. I have two, I think, that I'm going to work on, or I have been working on so far this year. One's in the class and one's outside. Um, in the class, again, thinking small, right? It's really easy to think that a lesson was successful or, or good because the students enjoyed it, right? 
Um, oh, the fun factor. The fun factor, or just the interesting, or connect, you know, okay. uh, being being connected to the topic or or whatever, right? But uh, that doesn't mean that it was an effective lesson. So I'm really reflecting on the production that the students give me rather than the engagement that my mm -hmm. students give me, because most of us are pretty interactive and pretty uh, personable people, and you know, getting that connection with students isn't that you know isn't an issue, but where we can see if the lesson's been effective is in the language that the students produce. So I'm, I'm not looking as much as the, the engagement anymore, rather the production in class and then through homework and assessments, et cetera. Have I actually successfully taught what they need to, the language they need to use to do task X and then look, reflecting on it that way. Uh, the other one is, is more abstract and um, I reference all, this book all the time, but On Writing by Stephen King. Have you guys read that? Mm -hmm. No, I've heard no, of it. No, no, no. Uh, I had a, I, I had a, a guy, uh, Andrew, tell me about it once. <laughs> I tell everybody I about it. I think of it about a hundred times, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I should get. No, no, uh, you should pay me royalties or something because it's you my guy. Not yeah. that he needs you it. If you're listening. Hey, Steve. Yes. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome book. I don't work for the guy, but everyone should read this. But basically, one of the things in it is. It's, just, it's the only nonfiction book that he's written to my knowledge. And it's on his process and how he became a writer, yada, 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 right? Not necessarily a unique idea, but it's super unique in how he's done it. And again, the idea of just doing it every day. He writes something like 2,000, 2,500 words every day. And some of them are good and some of them are not good. And he gets rid of them or he keeps them or whatever. But you have to do stuff to, to, to try it out, right? So I've been reading a lot, thanks to you guys. And I've been applying stuff in my class and trying it out and doing something different every day. And some of it is great and some of it's crap and I you know I don't do it anymore but you got to try I've been pushing myself to try new things all the time in my classes and and that's one I'm not going to give up it's, it's February but I'm not going to give that one up it's been it's been a really reflective and really healthy uh, process as a teacher for me so far no that's that's a good actually by the way just a, a note on that I was inspired by I didn't read the book I will read it um, <laughs> But I was inspired by that when we talked about this back in December, I think, or November. And I actually tried that approach because, Mike, we talked about the idea of process versus product and practicing what we preach. A lot of teachers that teach writing are actually not writers themselves. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did was after talking to Andrew about this book was to actually force myself to write two crappy pages a day. Mm -hmm. And when you look at a, a research paper, you have to write, like, let's say, 6,000 words, and then you basically say, you know what, 6,000 words, it, it looks daunting, and it sounds daunting. You might say, oh my God, 6,000 words, I don't think I can write that. But as a matter of fact, if you actually do 200 words a day, 300 crappy words a day, it's actually not that bad. So I think one thing teachers have to do is make it about your identity. You know, it is essential to our understanding of the kind of person that you are. So if you say that you are a punctual person, then you're always on time. You don't miss deadlines. And if you see yourself as a writer or a good teacher of writing, it's also, you know, valuable to see yourself as a writer. Because if you're not writing, you're not earning that image. You're not practicing what you preach. So at least for me, looking back 10 years ago, when I, I never liked teaching writing. You know why? You didn't write. Because I didn't, didn't write. write. Yeah. I didn't write. But the moment you start writing, it becomes part of your identity. So, And doesn't know. that go to the engagement with the students too? Because Absolutely. people can tell when someone's passionate about something. 
Yes. Right. And how can you be passionate about something if you've never done it or don't do it frequently? Is that not it? Yeah. And I think Leo, just touching on uh, that, that point you just made. Um, for me, I, uh, what I recognized after I started writing again was the amount of decision-making that takes place. And that's what the students really struggle with. They want to understand the choices behind the final product, right? And I, I love it. Like we do a lot of, sometimes we'll do like a paragraph together in class and they just, seriously, like they, they just like watching me and I'm thinking out loud. And, and what, they, what they've told me is that they like seeing why I choose the language and the structures I choose. Like they like to see the thought process going on. Like it's so interesting that you used the gerund there. Why, why did you use that? When I'm going be like, should I use a gerund or should I use a noun, you know, a noun phrase with of, right? And they, they, they kind of like it. And then after that, then they have something. Cause I, I think you're right, Leo. I think um, they, they see that you're passionate about it mm -hmm. and they have that model. And you mentioned something earlier. It's like, you know, a part of our job, uh, you, you said this uh, uh, outside of the recording, but um, you know, part of our job is to inspire, right? And we can inspire in many ways, but you know, it's like when they see that you're really into something, you know, that uh, it, it shows them that it's worth it. And that shows them, they can, you know, they can relate. They just, hey, it's not just me. I'd love to know what Stephen King has to say about uh, writer's block, by the way. Well, he's coming over for dinner tomorrow, so I'll ask him. Please do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just hide your knives though. No cutlery, plastic. Him and Carrie coming together. Oh, good. Three's a crowd. Red room. <laughs> but no, no, seriously, yeah, I think, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I agree with I don't, everything. I, said, I would argue, but, I don't want to speak for him, but I would argue Stephen King doesn't believe in writer's block. I think he doesn't, writer's block is something that is an excuse yes. to not do it. And writer's block happens, I mean, I've experienced it, I've pretended to be a writer for years. So I, <laughs> I've had quote-unquote writer's block. And it's, one on yeah, I put it on TV. Uh, yeah. And that, in my mind, when I say that, it means that I don't have something like perfect to say. And I'm scared to put something crappy down on the electronic paper in 2019, right? So I think that's yeah. what right, I think that's what Stephen King would say. And the, uh, I mean, one thing, because I, I, I was the same, and uh, I think the, you know, that, that whole kind of one minute principle of just just start right just start and eventually it turns into something i know leo you've been doing a, a lot of writing recently um but you know we've all been guilty of just staring at this computer screen even like designing a course or something you know but you just gotta start right once you start it gets in that's it and that's then one it. minute turns into 30 and 30 so it's so easy to get distracted right how much cleaning do you do when you have something else to do like all your apartments your house is like spotless yes. right because you clean the yeah. whole thing to avoid doing the thing you don't want to do I think, That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, everything that you guys just said to me is just, it goes back to the idea of perfection. I think a lot of us, we quit because it's not perfect. A lot of students don't write because they think that what they're writing is not good. But Mike just touched on this point now by saying that, you know, you have to write, if, you, if the students actually see you struggling and writing, they will understand that the process is actually part of it you don't write some you don't write an introduction and you're like this is it it's done no it's gonna be garbage 
but then you're going to look at it again and you're going to write a little more and then you're going to write a little more and you're going to tweak a few things here and then maybe you ask someone to read it for you and say maybe you're going to get some feedback from that i think the point is don't quit just because you're not perfect or because it's not perfect nobody's saying that we have to magically transform ourselves this year but if you're not making progress towards the person that you want to be whether you want to be a better writer or a better teacher what are you doing then and more importantly when are you planning to do it again process over product right i i think yeah. any any teacher worth their merit preaches that to their students all the time but we also need to take that to heart and put that into practice for ourselves Absolutely. right that's how you motivate students because of course with language it's very difficult it takes a long time to acquire you're not going to have lots of success right away with any new element of language we all emphasize to them every day hey don't worry it's through the process but for us as well we need to put that into process and i know leo you and i read this book a few years ago mike i'm not sure if you read the art of learning yes which is fantastic yes. I, or no, is it i haven't is it that book? No, I'm forgetting. Or is it from the subtle art of not giving a? It, yeah. Where? Okay. <laughs> where? <laughs> a lot of people wait to be motivated to take yes. action, but he argues. I think it's a subtle art where he says, by taking action, we get motivated. Yes. Right. I, I, I think that's the problem. That. I don't believe in motivation. I'm sorry. I'm going to swear now, but motivation to me is bullshit discipline and accountability those are the two things you need to have because if you're disciplined you're going to write every day so discipline and account if you're disciplined when you're not motivated you're not going to write but if you're disciplined you will write if you go to the gym every day you would there's no yeah. such thing as i'm mo i'm not motivated it's cold today no you're going to do it because it's part of your yeah. habit it's part of your life and mike i honestly think that we should do a podcast on um, live models, like basically um, writing in class now. with the students, mm. like what you said about. Oh, not, not those kind of models. Never mind. Not that kind of modeling. <laughs> um, but where you actually, where you think out loud, where you're trying, where you're struggling with, right? So students can actually see the struggle behind the process. And it doesn't come naturally even to someone who has been writing for a while. So I think that's something we should be doing in our class with our students. And Maybe that's something we should ask our listeners. Like, what are the biggest takeaways for, from this, in mm. your opinion, from, from this podcast, yeah. this conversation? Yeah, today? that's a great. We'd love to hear that. Yeah. And what are your New Year's resolutions, professionally, personally? Resolutions or, or um, habits that they want to cultivate. Uh, there we go. Uh, New, New Year's cultivations. We want to hear about them. Let's see. There you, we go. Did you make any? Have you? Are you still doing them? What's your stick to itiveness level? Uh, I guess that's a good place to end it with those open questions, right, guys? That sounds great. Can I end with a quote? Of course. I'm, 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 I love quotes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, cite this one by um, Epictetus, mm -hmm. who said, um, I think it was almost two years, 2,000 years ago, when he said, how long are you going to wait before you demand the best of yourself? So I think that's it. I think that's great. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. At least until February, anyway. Well, is it February already? <laughs> well, that's how long I'm going to wait. You know, for demand. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So, uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Teacher talking time. If, if you do want to comment or do want to write in and answer that question that we that Mike posed there about what you're doing, what you're cultivating, info at learnyouringlish.com is the email. You can also leave comments on the comment board on Podbean where the podcast is hosted. Uh, Leo and Mike, thanks so much, dudes. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks.
Thanks, Leo. All right, Take catch care, you next guys. time. See you next time, folks. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.